Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 99 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing PR and marketing strategies for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Now, before we get into the main part of the show, I wanted to let you know about my online PR course and group coaching program, Vegans in the Limelight. It's ideal for small business owners, including authors, artists and creatives on a budget who understand the value of getting yourself or your vegan brand featured regularly in the media, but can't afford to spend thousands of dollars or pounds a month to hire a publicist or PR firm. With Vegans in the Limelight, you get access to online video training that takes you through every step of how to get media coverage that can help you generate more leads and sales, as well as grow your email list and social media following. So we cover how PR and social media work in tandem, how to research and target the media without spending a cent, how to find the stories in your vegan brand on a regular basis, how to approach journalists the right way with ideas and stories. That's a really important one. How and when to write a media release. How to create an online media room for your website without spending heaps of time or money. How to respond to journalists' call-outs or queries, which is the easiest and quickest way to get media coverage and free publicity content marketing and PR, so how to create your own shareworthy stuff and leverage it to the max, writing and content creation tips for opinion pieces, listicles, features and columns, speaking gigs and PR, so how to leverage events to gain media coverage, and interview tips for print, online, radio and TV. Now, as well as the video training, which you go through at your own pace over 12 months, the program also includes a full 12 months of group coaching, including a monthly live Q&A call. You can also post your questions throughout the year on the learning platform, and you can post your pitches and media releases and get feedback from me before you send them to journalists. So you've basically got me holding your hand, helping you to do your own PR for a full year. It's a great value program. It's way more affordable than similar courses. And it's the only one that's specifically aimed at vegan and plant-based business owners, entrepreneurs, authors, coaches, and creators. Current students have already got media coverage in mainstream and specialist newspapers, magazines, radio and TV shows, as well as blogs and podcasts. So if you'd like to get your vegan brand or yourself featured in the media, but don't have the budget to hire a publicist or PR agency, then I highly recommend you check out this program. You get full and immediate access to the materials as soon as you enroll. You can find out all the details by going to veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the link for the program Vegans in the Limelight. And there's also a link on the show notes page. And if you have any questions about the program, including whether it's right for you, feel free to email me at katrina at veganbusinessmedia.com. Now for the main part of the show. 
In this episode, I interview Rebecca Mink, founder of vegan luxury shoe brand Mink Shoes in Los Angeles. Rebecca is a pioneer in this field as she started Mink Shoes way back in 2000 when there were few other players in the market. Working as a celebrity wardrobe stylist, she found it hard to find high-end vegan shoes for her clients, so she decided to create her own. She was initially turned down by 16 factories in Italy until one finally agreed to take up the challenge of making luxury vegan shoes, for which Rebecca had to create her own animal-free glue. 18 years later, she's now a part owner of this female-run factory, which also makes shoes for the likes of Chanel, Christian Louboutin, Jimmy Choo, Dolce & Gabbana and Gucci. Mink's speciality is making custom shoes, and the company's clients include celebrities such as Pamela Anderson, Alicia Silverstone and Natalie Portman, as well as Miley Cyrus, who approached the brand when she turned vegan to ask Rebecca to make animal-free versions of her favourite shoes and boots. In addition to creating her own range, Rebecca also partners with other vegan shoe brands to help them bring their products to market. This includes the upcoming line from Kat Von D later this year. Rebecca continued to work as a wardrobe stylist while running Mink Shoes until just two years ago when she started working in the business full-time. She's grown the company to increase sales tenfold over the past decade and up to the number of staff from three to more than 50. In this interview, Rebecca talks about how she dealt with rejection from 16 factories when she started out, how she managed to get her shoes into Zappos despite being told her appointment with the buyer was cancelled and being asked to leave the premises, why she decided to focus on selling her shoes online and direct to customers, how a collaboration with a cosmetics firm resulted in a win for both brands, why she waited until recently to seek outside investment in the company, the benefits of private label collaborations, and much more. Here's the interview with Rebecca Mink from Mink Shoes. Hello, Rebecca. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very (laughs) excited. And this is another podcast interview that I'm doing while I'm traveling. And I'm on location this time in Los Angeles at a very stunning office space in LA. And I've had a chance to have a look at Rebecca's shoes and I've touched them. And everybody who knows me knows I like my bling. And I'm sitting here right now with a beautiful gold glittery shoe that I'm looking at while I'm doing this interview. (laughs) So I'm very happy. And we've also got joining us little monkey who is Rebecca's yes. dog. Hello cutie He pie. travels all around the world. How He's wonderful. Part shoe maker. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Wonderful. So really excited to speak with you Rebecca. Love Thanks. your brand and you've been going for, for a long time now. We're going to talk about some of the, the growth that you've experienced uh-huh. and some of the exciting things that are happening in the luxury shoe market, vegan really? shoe market. But first of all I want to kick off with something I ask everybody which is the why. Why, you know, why vegan entrepreneurs start their businesses? So tell us about your why. 
Well, when I was four years old, I, I stopped eating meat. I went um, to a birthday party and this little boy told me that uh, hot dogs were made out of dogs. And I then became very conscious of what I was eating. I started dissecting what I was eating and I was, I was on the path and I was never going to eat meat again. And so basically my parents had to accept that and move forward. And I continued on through, you know, all my schooling and really didn't find a place for myself in the world. I was deeply into fashion. I did a lot of modeling, different um, fashion stuff. And then I got into doing um, wardrobe styling and dropped out of college because I was making such great money. And so I was dressing celebrities at a very young age because I was modeling previous. Was that here in LA? Yeah. And I wanted to get on the other side of the camera and do some creative. So I basically started dressing celebrities for the same photographers that I did some modeling for and then extended it from there and kept going and off word of mouth worked for many, many, many years as a stylist. So while I'm styling celebrities, I'm still vegan. And so basically I was in a situation where I was 100% vegan styling except for the shoes. Mm -hmm. And it was a really difficult thing for me because I was spending with some celebrity clients for the red carpets up to $10,000 in leather high-end shoes a month. A month? And uh, not myself, but my clients. And so I was in a situation where I was feeling like I was contributing to an industry I wasn't interested in. I had no other options for my clients to wear in red carpet or to um, different events because it was, it was, you know, I wasn't going to put them in a tennis shoe. There really wasn't an option. I was, I was forced to put them in leather shoes because it was really what they needed to wear to create, um, you know, the looks. So I said, I'm going to go out and make a vegan option that was a high-end leather shoe, non-leather shoe. So I I didn't want to go to China and make a shoe that we already could find at our Payless or, you know, the fun vegan shoes that we were living for because that's all we had. I wanted to find something that was, you know, really at, at the same competition level of a Prada, Gucci, a Jimmy Choo, mm. and really make the best vegan shoes in the world. Um, you know, we know, we all know the leather industry is, you know, not, not the best. And we, I wanted to, you know, move in that direction, but it was primarily really focused on animals and fashion and combining the two and really doing what I believed in. And I'd worked with a lot of different animal rights groups and I really enjoyed it, but I really wanted to do my own thing. So there I was, um, I went to Italy and I had spoken to Forbes uh, 10 years ago about this um, in detail. They were, you know, quite focused on that in an article they wrote about me because I went to 16 different shoe factories over a period of two years in Italy where no one wanted to work with me wow. <laughs> um, yeah. because they were really, it's an interesting thing, which is, which takes us to my mission and why I did this. And that is that people think that non-leather shoes are um, not great, not fashionable, not comfortable, and and you know Birkenstock or yeah. tree hugger. And I I am here on this planet to change how people see that and change how they feel and shift the paradigm of the way people think about leather versus non-leather goods. And as it turns out, the area that accepted and wanted to work with me in the very first factory that ever made my first collection 17 years ago um, is now actually we're part owners of. So we went through this whole process where um, in the beginning, no one wanted to work with us. And now I have the respect of the entire area and many um, factories in that area. But when I did um, move into the direction of doing the, the vegan shoes, 
Um, there was a multitude of problems along the way, but I definitely knew that, that I was on the right path to creating a, a beautiful option on the shelf that people could have mm. as, as an alternative to the high-end goods. I like that. Now, you touched on that, which is what I wanted to ask you, is in the beginning, what were some of your challenges? So I guess your one key challenge was none that of those That was the very first, to... and you would think most Work people would give up, and then there was a multitude of challenges. Um, making vegan shoes, making shoes is difficult, and then making a vegan shoe, um, there's up to 20 components per shoe. So that means 20 different components, a, a, a sole, a heel, um, all the different uh, materials and all the different um, things that are involved in making a shoe have to be vegan. So it's quite complex. And so um, the next thing was making vegan shoes because that that itself was, was a difficult endeavor. Um, shoes... Uh, have to move with weight. They have to hold weight. They have to move with you as you walk and um, fit right. And with the leather versus non-leather, we had to have some learning curves mm. in creating them. And you know, in the very beginning, some of the some of the fabrics were stretching out, and so we had found ways to line them so that they wouldn't become a size bigger. We also found ways to work with the machinery um, when you cut on um, the cutting machines cut different with the leather. The molding machines work different with the non-leather. Yeah. Um, they were melting some of our shoes. We, we found different um, ways to work around that. We would put them in the freezers. Um, we have freezers <laughs> wow. within our facilities so that we can freeze them. Then we can work as um, and mold them um, just as the leather does. And we've worked through many um, different scenarios where we had production issues with it being non-leather. And then it came down to the glue as well. There's a lot of glue used in shoes. And now, now it's not so difficult to find a sustainable glue. But when I started to 17 years ago, you should have seen the factory's face when I said, but I can't use that glue. After they finally <laughs> accepted to work yeah. with me, they were like, are you kidding me? Uh -huh. So um, it was most, most factories in Italy 17 years ago used glues that were made from animal materials and animal bones. It was thought to be the strongest glues. Mm. They were out for doing the best and they thought they were doing their best and I wasn't going to work with that glue. So then I went to uh, create a glue during the process of, of making this shoe line and created mm. a rubber-based glue, but now we've actually moved on to a water-based glue, which wow. is even better. So you actually helped to create a glue. Yes, we did. Wow. And we also, during the time that we were creating the glue, we were in a situation where the, the factory was at first reluctant. I mean, they said we need to test it. We tested it on machinery. We tested it. Um, for weeks and weeks walking, and we found that it actually worked better. Oh, great. So it actually was it was cracking less from heat, it was cracking less from water and different um, exposures, and it was moving really well with the feet. So my factory was quite impressed all along the way as we would develop things because they've, you know, typical Italian, I love them to pieces. I will never leave making my product there. But, you know, they're so funny because in the beginning they're like, you know, no problem, no problem. And then halfway through, they're like, it's impossible. It's impossible. We can't do this. This is like this no leather thing. And then by the time they get to the end, they hold it up high and they show me what they've done. And they're uh -huh. like, look, we made a vegan shoe and it yeah. is incredible. And they're so proud. So they really changed a lot. And then um, 
because I was a trailblazer, because it was, you know, before people were saying green, before Prius cars were everywhere, before LEED certified buildings were, you know, popular, before any of this was going on, I was making vegan shoes. Mm -hmm. So then I got to my buyer, which was another big obstacle for me because then I was well, well, I've got to sell these these shoes that I'm making. And I thought, well, I'm making these gorgeous shoes. They make much more sense than leather shoes for people. Everyone's just going to buy them, you know? <laughs> and it wasn't quite so because I didn't have the support of the stores. So then I found that barrier was another difficult one to cross, which is um, quite unusual because now, for me, now people are begging to get our shoes. So it's pretty, it's pretty much done a 360 from where yeah. I started. And, yeah. um, all How did you get over that challenge of the buyers then? Because I know I've heard that before, like even nowadays certain buyers, they still perceive non-leather shoes mm -hmm. to be somehow not luxurious enough. Yeah. So how did you get over that barrier way back then? Well, my, my father calls me a piranha and, and there's a reason <laughs> for it. And once I lock my jaws on an idea of what I wanted to do, and I, I, I personally think now, because I've gone through so many, I've gone through almost two decades, in the beginning, the first decade, I would say my thought process was that working with wholesale and getting volume and working with these stores was the, was the key to success, was the, the end all, what I was going for, what I needed what, to succeed. You know, I was like thinking in more of an old school mentality. So what I did during that time was I just met with them every single season. So I met with Zappos up to eight times before they bought the shoes. Wow. And I the the way that I got them to buy it in the end was quite an incredible experience because I was in the office for the eighth time <laughs> and I had driven down to Las Vegas where they're based and I had put the suitcases in my car because I was afraid to fly with my one-of-a-kind originals. I drive all the way to Las Vegas and I was sitting in their offices and um, they didn't, you know, they didn't understand that, that there was a vegan market. They were looking at their analytics. They were curious. They were into it. And so I basically said to them, look, I already knew this by going on their site that if, you know, Zappos was the biggest seller of shoes, you know, at the time in the world, I'm not quite sure where they are now, but, um, and online sales, you know, were so big at that time. And I basically said, well, I'm going to go after ourselves the most shoes in the world because I'm making vegan shoes for the world and I want to get it out there. So I went after them and um, we got we got noticed, we got our appointment, we're sitting there and they, they, they came in, they said, oh, we need to cancel the appointment, everybody's really busy on my eighth appointment. And I said, I'm not leaving this building mm -hmm. until I meet with the people that I'm here to meet with. I mean, you have to be like that yeah. to get through in business. And so I basically sat there and with, within 10 minutes, they all came in <laughs> and they were looking at the shoes and I said, look, I want to show you guys something. And I pulled out my computer and I went on to Zappos.com and I said, look, let's look up vegan shoes and see what you have. And so if you search vegan shoes in general, they'd bought the words. So they come up first, right? And then I said, let's see what you guys have to sell. And so then went in there and I saw all their gardening clogs and all their ugly vegan shoes they had at the time that they just so happened to be vegan. And then I said, look, why don't you look at how many people opt out on your analytics after they see these ugly shoes and then give me a call. Because I was getting to the point where I was like, you know what, I've got something and you need to recognize it. So then on the Monday morning, they called and they bought 18 styles. Oh, wow. So I thought, amazing, my life is saved. Mink is on its way. We're doing great. 
And I had done my homework. I had set it up so that I would get some financing to be able to deal with that. But it was really quite difficult because then you turn around and these big guys, they pay 90 days after you deliver. Um, It's very difficult for you to get past that. So what I did in the meantime is I found alternative ways to sell shoes because this this was too much work. By the time I would sell to them, go to Italy, live there for three months to make sure we deliver on time, get everything done get the money back, pay back everybody. I'd be like, wait a second. I was like, this isn't, this isn't how I want to do this. I want to be in touch with my customer. I want to be connected with vegan people around the world that were writing to me from, from Greece, from, you know, West Virginia, from, you know, anywhere that, you know, Honolulu, and they were writing from all over. And I'm like, I want to reach them myself. So we started doing some crowdfunds. And those were quite fun um, to get past the, you know, working with the buyers. But as we would go through the crowd funds, you know, we had some fun and I can talk more about them if you're interested. But we, we ended up bypassing them, finding that we had a direct consumer market, which definitely is the way to sell items today. There's a much higher profit. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you really get connected to your clientele. Mm-hmm. So um, and then we found that our products sold worldwide and we had a market worldwide that, that was looking for us and found us. So we started creating collections that we would sell out within you know, a few days, a few weeks. And then we just kept growing from there. And um, in the very, very beginning when we started, we did a lot of custom because we were starting small. And then we kind of went back to that. So we started doing custom for people that specifically wanted certain needs and found that to be growing our market more than anything else. Mm. So, so that's interesting. Say. So there's a couple of things there. So when you said you did the crowdfund, so had you already got an audience like or uh, people followers or people already yeah. interested? The crowdfunds, the crowdfund is like some sort of, um, it's not really fair in a way because you think, oh, this is so great. I'm going to go on this crowdfund and everyone's going to come buy my shoes just like I've seen. And it's going to be so easy. And then we're going to sell all these shoes. Well, it doesn't happen like that. When you have a crowdfund, you bring everyone to that crowdfund. They're not necessarily doing much for you in bringing an audience. So when I did my first crowdfund, I realized that basically it was my job to tell everyone I've ever met in my entire life that I was doing a crowdfund. And what year was this roughly, Ruben? I think, I mean, I can check it when the first one is. I'll have to check on the exact date. But we went through two different ones. We did... Um, one for 11,000 and one for 17,000. And the second one we did, we did with Mercy for Animals. So we gave to charity with Mercy for Animals through that one, which was fun because then we could have two fan bases coming together and kind of supporting the vegan shoe market. That was really fun. And I like what you said as well. I think that's really interesting for for people to hear about. Like you said, that kind of old school mentality is, right, yes, we want to get the the shoes in all the stores Uh and do that wholesaler thing and have them everywhere. But that's not necessarily the key to success. It's a way of doing business, but it's not necessarily the way. So you found very much. So with online, do you find then, so obviously online is a big market, but I guess for me, like as a con- thinking with my consumer hat on, mm-hmm. I'm kind of worried if I buy a pair of shoes online that they're going to arrive, they're not going to fit me, yeah. and most times I've got to pay to send them back. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious, how do you sort of get over that, or is that just a small market market of people like me that are like? No, it's true. It's it's, it's true because I I have a difficult time myself, even as a shoemaker, thinking, oh, is this shoe going to fit when I buy it online? 
Not that I buy anything because I have yeah, you got your own. <laughs> I don't wear anything but me. But 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 I can feel that that would be interesting. Um, I I definitely think that we found the the solution to that. Um, in doing the custom, what we found is that people want to try on, and we want them to try on before we create a custom shoe for them to get the fit right. Mm-hmm. And what we're starting to do is create these boutiques that will grow all around the world. So we have. Um, we're starting out in Venice Beach, California, which is where our homeland is. And where we all um, run Where now. we're based, <laughs> yeah. And there's a store here called Vegan Scene. We're going to put an oh, array of yeah. each size in there. So that's for some local people can go try it on there and order their custom oh, shoes through there. Good. We also have an amazing, amazing opportunity coming up. Um, Fred Siegel opened a new location up on Sunset Boulevard. And their whole entire business model is very much structured after this. I'm sure that the stores these days are having a hard time coming up with the overhead to buy the product. So mm-hmm. this is a really great new way of making shoes where we are creating a boutique in February with Fred Siegel. And this boutique is going to be kind of primarily focused around um, promoting uh, wedding and, and custom shoes for weddings in the yes. beginning. And we're basically able to have people come and try on the shoes there. Another thing that's interesting about Mink is that we have a very, very low return rate due to size. So we we sell, let's say, 100 shoes, and we might even see only maybe three people returning the shoes mm-hmm. for size. Um, and that's just a, a quick you know, size exchange or something. But that um, doesn't seem to be a problem for the, us because we spend so much time on the fit and so we really also like to be available for customer service to help people come up with the right you know, fit for their shoe. We like to ask them what they wear and other designers mm-hmm. like Jimmy Choo or other high-end designers, right. which yes. fall in our category. That's important because it's size different than maybe a shoe that would be made in China. So we try to help people out and make sure that doesn't um, sway them away. But we do have a a program that we're thinking of implementing to kind of help that out of even possibly sending people um, two different sizes in a shoe so they can try it on before they make the custom. So they can try on a left size 37 and a half and a mm-hmm. right size 7 and we're going to be able to give them the right option for them as well that way. Got it. And that's for basically people who want the custom shoes. So tell us a bit about yeah. your business because you have the custom shoe where you make custom shoes for people including celebrities and we'll talk about that in a minute but then also you've got um, another model where people can buy online and they can kind of customize parts of the, the yeah. shoe so tell us a bit about the two different models and why you choose to do yeah both. we're we're excited to have two different price points because um to be totally honest while well, i've been building mink i wouldn't go you know out and buy a thousand dollar shoe so the custom can be quite expensive and we didn't want to cut uh, people off that are really wanting to have a high quality shoe, but you know, it's it, we're never going to be an inexpensive shoe. I tried that mm-hmm. for for a multitude of years, where I thought, oh, I'm going to get the price down as low as I can, so I can keep with China. But I'm never going to be able to make a seven dollar shoe. Yeah. So I will always be the most expensive cheap shoe. So I'm not interested in that. Besides, the quality is so important to us that we have the repeat customer, so mm-hmm. they come back and repeat over and over and we have a hundred percent return purchase on our customers so all that being said we end up in a situation where we have a fit that it kind of works for people but we also have a shoe that people can get all different places all over you know so it's kind of a it's it's we really have a, a market that 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 
that we want to offer people a shoe that's $125 up to $300, um, which they might need to save up for anyway. That's mm-hmm. not a cheap shoe. Yeah. But they can go out and they can find that they can get that shoe and they can wear it to work for years to come and really invest in a really awesome vegan shoe. And then we have customers that want to get the crazy, you know, shoe. We've made shoes for celebrities that have been insane and the prices have gotten quite crazy only to pay our client, you know, our team to make such unusual pieces for them. And the custom one of a kind is our core and heart because that's really what we're about, which is making vegan shoe dreams come true. And, um, and then we wanted to offer the other price point so that it's available to people. So if they want to go into that price point, <clears throat> save up for it. And then we find also that a lot of the clients that buy, let's say, the $175 cute ballerina to wear to work, a lot of times they end up coming back to us when they have a wedding or a certain event, mm-hmm. and then they make the custom net. Got so we find we have clients as well that um, are into both price points and then mm-hmm. clients that stay in the one price point and then clients that stay in the high end. And are they majority of them vegan or are they just kind of just love it's your shoes? It's quite interesting. Yeah, we have about a 60% vegan, 40% non-vegan, okay. I would say. Yeah. Um, we're definitely leaning on the direction of having more of a vegan clientele that's seeking out the custom and seeking out the product of a high-end vegan shoe. But we found that um, because it's such a beautiful product, because we're making our shoes side-by-side next to Jimmy Choo, Christian Louboutin, Chanel, um, we know that our shoe stands alone. So we, you know, we always have the connotation with the vegan word, the vegan, you know, it's vegan is a bad word sometimes, and people think that, Maybe the product isn't that great, but we've gone through um, the phases where in the beginning I was real militant. I'm like, isn't it vegan? Everybody needs to know it. <laughs> and then I was like, well, let me see if people just like it for the shoe that it is. And that that happened too. So we kind of, we, we bounce back and forth with that. And how much do you use the word vegan in your branding and marketing? We're not afraid of it. We like it. I'm trying to grow it. I'm trying to shift the paradigm away people think. So I'm definitely all about using the word vegan. I'm not such a big fan of like, uh, the the plant based hop around uh, the real the real vegan word kind of thing, um, especially with shoes too. It kind of throws people off. I know in uh, the Forbes article that they did about mink, um, it was they 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 had a little quote from it that you know was really popular when I first started, which was people saying. Can I eat the shoe? You know, because (laughs) because the vegan word is really used in food. So I was also, you know, really a pioneer in trying to bring that over to the fashion industry. And I'm not about to shy away from the word itself because I find that it's really, um, we got to stand up for it, you know, and get somewhere. So we're on that path. So So in terms of, let's talk a little bit about the the promotion and the marketing. So I suppose when you first started out 17 years ago, there wasn't social media. Um, Mm -hmm. So how did you go about kind of, I guess, getting more people to know about your brand then and compared to now? Yeah, it's so fun. Now you just post something on Instagram and you sell shoes. I mean, that's literally what's happening to us. If we post or if, you know, we have a client that posts, um, we sell shoes immediately after and it's really an exciting uh, amazing thing um, I I met people through uh, Facebook and Instagram that have become clients for life um, from and just 
social media. So yes, it's amazing today. And I'm, and I'm a big, big fan of social media. It's such a great way to have power to reach the world and show them your product. Mm. And then back when I started, it was quite an interesting time. It wasn't social media. Um, but there was this buzz. And what I did is I did the grassroots. I stuck to my community in Los Angeles and they, I was a very deeply involved in the vegan community and my local area and then I just reached out and and I basically went out as much as possible and got out there socializing and wore the shoes and and got them out there and and before I knew it I would end up at events or different parties and you know granted this is a smaller community and they'd be like oh I've heard of you oh I've heard of you and that started happening gradually and then it grew from there and it organically grew um, and the the company itself has organically grew so it's been because we've had a long haul and we mm-hmm. had to wait it out until the market arrived. And the market the market arrived a little bit in 2008 and then it kind of went away and then it came back and it's it's bigger and better than ever. Yes, so yeah. yeah, it's really it's it's really exciting, but but I think that in the beginning, you know, the grassroots organic you know, believe in what you're doing and, mm. and which is talk still to important grow. to a degree today, mm. actually, even as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, in terms of um, celeb, so you've had a background in celebrity styling. So, yeah. I'm guessing you have access to celebrities because I'm curious. You know, you you do shoes for Miley Cyrus. There's some other celebrities you can yeah. have to name. Feel free to name drop. Yeah. Um, how does that come about? To, well, they find us, which is the most exciting part of all, um, that we have a product that people are looking for, that there is um, basically Miley Cyrus, for example, her stylist found us. She was looking, um, Miley decided, I mean, Miley's a real vegan, and yeah. she yeah. she just I'm not going to wear leather shoes if I'm vegan. And so she took uh, piles and piles and years and years of beautiful shoes that she had from all the best designers. And she gave them to us. And she said, we, I want to make these non-leather. Nice. And so we basically helped her develop out shoes that she liked, different styles or different shapes. And we helped her develop out some vegan options for herself. And then it just spirals from there for, from each client. Then they can't live without their minks. <laughs> and um, so we've worked with a multitude of different celebrities. And we're really excited about working with Kat Von D., which is um, really a fun project. And, um, yeah, because she's bringing out a shoe brand. Is she, yes, she is. In conjunction yeah. with Mink. Well, she's actually, it was really important to her to start her own vegan shoe brand. Right. That was very important for Kat Von D because she is, she's the most amazing, uh, the hardworking, uh, visionary vegan, you know, and she really had the idea to do her vegan shoe line and worked for two years meeting with different people over the years and didn't find mink and heard about mink towards the end of her journey and the two years of searching for the perfect vegan shoemaker for her brand and we met and and we were the perfect match because she her taste is so amazing and she has such um, unusual unique yeah. ideas and we do that we do really amazing you know highly specialized um, shoes and then she also um, wanted to produce in Italy or a place that was not um, China and make a really high-end product so yeah. we were like a match made in heaven so um, we've worked very closely and built um, her brand for her so it's her brand it's not um, we've done collaborations um, but this is a 
you're literally creating her brand. And what's, what's the most exciting thing is that number one, she's so great and, um, really going to get the word out there with some gorgeous shoes, um, that we're able to create for her. But also, you know, having having the partnership where you're growing um, other vegan shoe brands is really important to Mink because we're we're not just about our vegan shoe brand and that's it. And when we're really friendly with the competitor because we find that it's really important that vegans stick together and especially in the fashion industry and especially especially in the shoe industry mm-hmm. and it's a very difficult business and I want more of vegan shoes available to people and so in Kat Von D is exactly the same way um, she wants um, to share share what she has to offer so we're creating a brand that she's launching in the new year for um, herself and um, Mink's kind of the brand behind the brand and what what people don't realize is that let's say like Calvin Klein or a different um, designer that you might think of, um, they don't have a shoe department within that company. They hire like a licensing company that makes their shoes for them. So there's a company that makes shoes for um, different brands. This is a big part of the shoe industry and the footwear industry itself runs off of this, which makes uh, large conglomerate companies very powerful and they are all leather. So I'm trying to build out a powerful community of vegan shoemakers within and under the Mink brand, um, creating their own brands or collaborations so that we can get shoes out there that are super high end, again, to shift the paradigm and the way people think so that they see this amazing product. And so, um, so we're doing that with Kat Von D. And, and that's obviously a business relationship. So you're helping her build her brand, but there's yeah. obviously something in it for you as a, like you're, you're, you're not just doing it just as a favor out the goodness yeah, of you, but it's of a business not. collaboration. Well, yeah, because she's connecting to all of our contacts and, you know, we're in a hundred percent excitement to have her, yeah. you know, be involved. She came to Italy and, um, and was involved with, you know, working with our team there, which has been really fun. So we really, we really see, um, we really want to start more vegan shoe lines. We're looking to partner with a man um, to start a men's line in the celebrity world very soon and kind of move out towards doing other options. And we did the uh, Two-Faced collaboration, oh, yes. which was very fun. It's not a specific celebrity, but you could call the founder of Two-Faced a celebrity for sure. Because yes. He's the most amazing guy ever. And his um in the beauty world yes and um, and you're showing me this shoe now for yeah, people listening because... i'm actually looking at this collaboration and it's a gorgeous glitter shoe with eyelashes on the back which yeah, is a lovely yeah, touch so, so tell us a bit fun. about that collaboration yeah the collaboration with Too faced has been quite fun because it's a brand that's a cruelty free makeup brand and they wanted to create a shoe kind of as an excitement for their clientele to play fun have a pop-up um, as a a, a a product that kind of matched the one of their products that they have a mascara called Better Than Sex. Yeah. <laughs> wrote that on the bottom of the shoe. We have all this glitter and all this greatness. And um, we basically, this was a collaboration. So it was Two-Faced um, with Mink. So the, the brand is literally Mink brand for Two-Faced. Nice. And this is a different um, way for shoe industry um, to expand and in, in the vegan world and that is that we can show people through other brands you know sharing our fan bases that there is a vegan option for shoes and getting it out there with people that might not normally seek out looking yeah. up online for a vegan shoe 
and then they buy it through Too Faced and realize that it's, nice. it's, it's an option. And he's really into animals, um, Jared, um, the founder. And so we work together to create something you would never um, work on making a leather product. So we were the perfect match. That's that pretty, and did they seek you out or you sought them out? Actually, you know what? He's a friend from um, childhood. Oh, so, wow. That's yeah, nice. he grew an amazing business. Um, my, my, one of my best friends, not, not one of my best friend I grew up with in childhood, it's, it's her cousin. So I've known oh, him my whole lovely. life. So, yeah, but it was interesting because he said to me, his, his company was doing amazing. He said, I want to do some shoes with you. So um, I wasn't quite sure if he was really going to do it and um, came came together and he created this idea and we made that so it really gets exposure to vegan shoes absolutely out there. i love, that. I love everything you've that said that about that you know about the whole even with the other shoe brands i love what you said about that because it's such a big thing like you say in the non-vegan world of competitors you know and you've got yeah. to like crush your competitors and all this no. kind of stuff and i i'm always interested to see how vegan entrepreneurs because other people i've spoken have done a similar thing they're kind of like we're on this same mission yeah so do you know what i mean let's you know help everybody kind of rise up so i love yeah. that you you're doing that and you've managed like you said it's a win-win you're helping to create more shoe brands mm -hmm. and um and obviously like you say you get exposure to those other fan right. bases as well which is fantastic so we have a like another that. layer to that is that we you know we own part of a factory in italy which was the very first factory i worked with 17 years ago which in my opinion and i have a pretty good opinion after almost 20 years it's the best shoe factory I've ever seen in my life, and it runs like clockwork in Italy, which is unusual. It's female <laughs> run, and that's it's, what? it's run by a woman named Mara, which is it's female. Oh, female owned. run! Oh, lovely. lovely. So, and her daughter, who's twenty three, who's learned the business. So, I think that has something to do with the amazingness. But also, um, we we in that factory make Gucci, we make Chanel, we make Christian Louboutin, we make um, Dolce & Gabbana. Oh, yeah. These are shoe brands that are not making vegan shoes. Sure. We all know that. Um, but what we are what we are intent and why we are uh, going into factory ownership is a couple reasons. Yeah, yeah <laughs> a couple reasons. Well, there's quite a few reasons. Number one is that this opportunity never, ever, 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 ever comes around that you would be able to buy a a portion of one of the best Italian shoe factories in the world. Yeah. And that right there is, is, is ridiculous. Like you wouldn't think a girl that, you know, grew up in California would go buy a portion of a, a vegan shoe, fa sorry, a factory in Italy that, you know, was making her vegan shoes, but it's because of the relationship. We built a relationship over 17 years. And when one of the partners was retiring, um, they wanted make. And they came to us first. And, you know, there are people from major, major brands that were trying to get in in wow. Italy to buy um, this section of the factory to control their production line. And we we know for a fact that uh, the factory got offered much higher bids than ours, but chose Mink. And for two reasons. Number one, because she believes in, in the, the company. She's watched it grow, and the factory owners were like, we want you to partner with us. And they wanted a friendly partner that wasn't trying to take over. And yes. they also had this image that, you know, they're forward thinking. And they, they mm -hmm. truly believe that vegan shoes are the future. And so do I. And obviously, yeah. after I almost <laughs> died building this. Um, but basically, we're at a point where I know 
and mark my words, because I've been around 17 years watching this whole thing. I know that these major designers that I'm making shoes and leather for in this factory, in our factory, are going to make vegan options. Mm -hmm. And when they do, we are the best at making vegan shoes in the world. And our factory knows how to make the shoes in to perfection. And this is what a large brand is going to ask for. So we are going to be producing their vegan shoes when they do them nice. because they will. And we will be able to turn our factory into a hundred percent vegan factory. Wonderful. Like you're so pioneering. So, I love that you, you were pioneering but, back then and now you're, you're forcing, you're getting yourself all ready to, yeah, to veganize production. the shoe market. I love it. And when we, you know, it. when we would go to the, our factory, you know, they love us to pieces. They adore the brand. But when we go in there and they're producing 80,000 Chanel ballerinas, wow. we kind of took the second row and we had to go after the 80,000 Chanel ballerinas with the ownership it's really brought us very close and so our production is much more secure than it's ever been as well wow. through that wow. so yeah we you know we're not after Chanel anymore <laughs> so, <laughs> oh wow that's fantastic yeah. I love that you're yeah you're such a pioneer now you mentioned some celebrities I know you mentioned Miley Cyrus can you say who else you've made shoes but you mentioned yeah, the men's line Russell, Sim Russell Simmons yeah Russell Simmons you know we love him he's a big um, big <laughs> vegan supporter uh, Russell Simmons, when it came to us and wanted to make some fruity um, colored shoes, um, and so we made some shoes for him. Uh, were made out of a recycled plastic ultra suede, which were really great and poppy colors like orange and blue and purple. And um, we've also made shoes for all, all like back in the very beginning. We made shoes for Natalie Portman oh, yes. when she was, yeah. you know, the only and one of the, you know first people talking about it yeah. Alicia Silverstone back in the oh, day yes. I remember yeah, she, yeah. she was one of the first wearing mink shoes Pamela Anderson nice yeah who I adore and um she's a close friend um we've been I styled her for many many Did years as know? well yeah, yeah. so we, we had a lot of fun and I um I created um my very first collection she wore and we just sent her some new shoes and and she's in love with them so she's really really great um, she's really the real deal. We yeah. like um, celebrity clientele that are kind of the real yeah. deal and yeah. and really um, vegan. But we also have people writing to us more recently, like Kristen Bell is doesn't want to wear cool. leather shoes anymore. And, you know, we've got celebrities um, pretty much weekly coming to us wanting to make vegan shoes. That's brilliant. Um, so that's pretty exciting brilliant. for the vegan um, industry because – you know, people won't be afraid of this word very much longer if yeah. if, if we keep this up and exactly. get it out there. The yeah, way it's we like are. you say, it's making it associating it with, like you say, not necessarily. There's nothing wrong with if you like Birkenstocks and you like sandals made from. Yeah, hand, that's all fine, but it's not the only thing. We've got to overcome right. lots of these stereotypes. Which is There's another example of how people find us celebrity-wise, like the 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 magazines that are doing these high-profile cover shoots. They'll be in a position where, let's say Miley Cyrus showed up, I, this is a real example, showed up to, you know, she was going to do a Cosmopolitan cover, right? And Cosmopolitan finds out that she won't wear any leather shoes. <laughs> and so what's Cosmopolitan going to do? They're going to, like, go get some, you know, cheap shoes and put them on the cover of their magazine? No. no. So <laughs> they, they contacted us, Cosmopolitan magazine, and had us do some custom shoes for the cover. And they had oh, these wow. ideas to do all these pink shoes. So we quickly made in three weeks pink shoes for Miley Cyrus for Cosmopolitan. And that's kind of what we 
what we do, but we also find that when when these celebrities are going out in the world and they're refusing to wear leather mm -hmm. shoes, their stylists and the editors of magazines and the you know costume designers of movies, they're having to come to us and make these shoes so that there's um, you know the high end or the specific thing they're looking for yeah. in a vegan option. We can do that for them. Right, so. and you've made shoes for movies as well. Yeah, yeah, we have. We've done we've done shoes because because in my styling background, I worked in movies. I worked in styling shoots, so I kind of I was familiar with all of the different categories that you can, you know, enter where you could yeah. do the red carpet, you could do personal shoes for them. We can do um, shoes that might be specific to an advertisement that they are doing that we can do um, vegan for them or, okay. I mean, we can make any shoe in the world exactly. in Italy. So. Any, any movies you can name that you Not specifically, no, because we just make shoes like, like, let's say, they're a nurse and we make a nurse shoe so it's like we've made random shoes for different movies and okay. all different types so. <laughs> right right okay um so what about in terms of the growth of Mink? so you've been going 17 years what can you say in terms of even just ballpark figures whether that like the percentage of growth in terms of turnover etc and the number of shoes that you're making just so we can get an idea of where you've started yeah. to where you are now. It's really incredible, really, really incredible <laughs> movement for us. Um, we've, we started making maybe, let's say, um, back in the day we were making hundreds of shoes. Let's just say right now we're making thousands of shoes at a time. So um, our factory can make 11,000 shoes a month, mm -hmm. um, about four to 500 shoes a day mm. so we basically have the ability to do very very high volume which is what we've jumped into now mm. um, in the beginning um, I think that the growth was quite gradual and I think that in 2016-17 the world changed I, I ended up in a situation where I would go to a party and one person would see a custom shoe that I would either be delivering or a friend would be wearing there or a client would be wearing there. And I would leave these parties with piles of shoes in my hand that people would be giving me that they wanted to make <laughs> custom. So that was started happening in 2016. And I was like, wow. So we went, our numbers went up and we started producing the online available for them. So what we're after right now is that we're raising money and we're, we're out um, raising money with investors, investors okay. so that we can get to the next level. Um, we've really got some amazing vegan investors and we're moving out um, into like the venture world and we're, we're growing and we have a lot of interest. It's, it's, it's literally almost a, a buzzword in the, in, we're scared of vegan in a lot of ways, but it's almost a buzzword mm. in the investor um, yeah. world right now is the word vegan because we're growing and people know it. So, mm. so we've kind of gone through a transition in the last two years that has brought us from hundreds to thousands of shoes. You know, in terms really, of percentage of turnover, has it doubled, tripled? Like what can you sort of say around that? I would say we've gone, I mean, it's tenfold this Since year. Since when you started? Yeah. Oh, right. This year. Yeah. Oh, wow. oh. This year specifically because we have, I mean, we have uh, other collaborations lined up. It's, it's just never ending. Um, when we like move into this launch with Kat Von D, we're going to find that we're going to, um, our factory is equipped to make other vegan brands. We've had other vegan brands, um, people that are starting vegan brands wanting to make shoes in our oh, factory. Nice. So okay. our production has just gone from, from 
10 times bigger than it's ever been. So, yeah. Now, you mentioned investors at the moment. So, in terms of starting up a business, as obviously, and you've mentioned you've crowdfunded. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with investors, obviously, generally speaking, you're giving away part of your company. So, mm-hmm. um, what are some of the pros and cons that you see around the different types of ways to fund a business? Well, I've, I've done something very smart. I, I held out for a really long time before I got the investors. And the reason that I did that was um, because I didn't want to take in an investor's money before we had market. I didn't want to put my, that pressure on myself. Yeah. I didn't want to put the money from somebody else into the company when, you know, really, you know, to be honest, it was, you know, I kept my day job for, for very, 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 you did. Uh, yeah, oh, okay. I, mean, I, I basically yeah. was working as a wardrobe stylist. I mean, I didn't quit my day job 17 years ago. Oh, I kept it, working as a wardrobe stylist. Until when? The sneeze was my dog. Oh, that's little, bless <laughs> little you, bosom tie. The little chihuahua sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I, I, you know, built it over time, but I... When but did I, you quit your day job? I, the oh, day cool. job was literally two years ago. Nice. Okay, so it's been a while. Yeah, cool. only yeah. about two years when, when it started. Yeah, nice when I started leaving parties with my arms full of shoes, you know you're on begging me then. to make. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I think I can, you know, make a living out of this and, and do it. And gradually built the team out. And and today, I mean, we've gone from me doing everything by myself. Yeah, as many um, entrepreneurs do. Yeah, yeah. And, and building that out. And I, I made such a great salary as a wardrobe staff that I was able to pay a team, work myself as a stylist. And I was so sad because I would go to work as a stylist and these young, cute girls I could pay were like building my company while I was, you know, helping tell them what to do in the morning. And I'd leave and go to my day job and come home and meet them and kind of built it as I I went. And then I, you know, dug in and wrote the business plan and I've gone out there raising now. And, And that's really a game changer for us because... When we have the cash flow, we get the power to move into different revenue streams. Yeah, and um, we can go back into wholesale with the cash flow and and build that out. And we, you know, we have the collaborations and the private labels, such as like yes. you know doing Cat's brand for her. And so we just really feel like right now, bigger than ever, it's it's grown out to um, mm. a point where we've gone from just me to um, like. 55 employees including wow. our factory wow so, so between here in here in california and italy mm-hmm. wow that's amazing yeah, so the past really, two years that's massive growth. yeah so we've gone exciting. I mean, two years ago we had uh we had three people and now we have 55 so that yeah. really kind of gives you an idea of what's going on in the world so. i like the fact that you said that you waited before getting investment because i think that's interesting because often brands that are starting up they're kind of like you know, like within a year, they're like, oh, give me, you know, I want money now yeah. straight away to build it. So I like the fact that you, can you just talk a little bit more about that? Why you decided to It's personality. I'm, I'm like a high integrity person and I just, I just really wanted, and I'm a really hard worker. And so I, I, I knew I could build it myself to a certain point. But one of the things that's really interesting is that when you start a company, one thing you better you better have is is passion and and i don't mean just like oh yeah i like pretty shoes i didn't do this for pretty shoes i did this for the animals and i did this for the environment and i did this for 
um, bigger things than myself. So if I would have woke up every day and had the struggles I had to build this out all, you know, all by myself, especially in the beginning and get to this point, I had a vision. I had a vision of, of, of building a brand that was just like a brand on Rodeo Drive, just like the high-end brands, but it was vegan. Mm. And so I kept hold of that vision and I kept going forward. But if you don't have serious, ridiculous, undeniably um, off the charts, like passion for what you're doing, you're going to give up because along the way it is so hard and you get punched so many times. And I mean, there was scenarios where I would take all the last money I had and buy a ticket to New York and Bloomingdale's wanted to see us one more time to see the shoes, you know, and I go into my Bloomingdale's meeting. I'm like, this is it. This is going to be it. You know, we're going to sell here. <laughs> And then show the shoes and be like, they're amazing, they're beautiful, we love them, we love them. And then I'd leave with no sale. I went to Barney's um, and the buyer bought a pair of shoes, but she wasn't able to buy them for them at that time because nobody was understanding the vegan. So going through those type of things, you better be pretty strong. So I decided to build it myself to a certain point. And then when I saw the traction happening last year for us, 2017, we went out of the gate raising a very small amount and it was quite incredible what I could do with it because I had really a lot of experience about how to make shoes in the shoe industry. So instead of taking people's money and losing it, I'm in a position where I know you shouldn't stock a whole bunch of shoes because you're going to get left with sizes. I know you shouldn't work with, you know, vendors that you're, you know, component factories or different things that you're not familiar with. So you might have some problems. I've, I've, I've had made all the mistakes yeah. is basically what I would tell a new investor today. Nice. I've nice. made all the mistakes and I'm in a position of power where I know how to make money out of shoes. I know how to make vegan shoes. I have a factory to make them. Yeah. And then on top of that, I, I, I welcome other brands, you know, That's so brilliant. it's going to grow. I love that. It's a whole new <laughs> model of business, which I really love. So yeah, I think fun. Yeah. fantastic. So I guess my, my last question really will be, what's your long-term vision long-term for yourself vision. and the Mink Shoes brand? Well, for the Mink Shoes brand, it's a lifestyle brand. So we're really excited to grow out. And that's really what the investors are going to help us with in the future. Um, basically, we... What I I was walking in Florence and kind of you know really came to um, in this last trip you know that I just took because I've I've known all along it's a lifestyle brand I've always said like I just said previous that it's a Rodeo Drive brand it's a high end brand and then you know we can we can always go down from there we wanted to create the highest you know quality but I think the most important thing to really realize is that when you when you're building a brand. You have to, um, I don't know, I mean, I guess you really have to know what you're doing. And I think that we got to the point where we really kind of clued in to the right things to do. So I think that building a lifestyle brand is, is the vision, but we're starting to implement that. So we're starting to make belts. We're starting to make bags. We're starting to make men's shoes. We're starting to make wallets, which we've already made. We've made wallets before. So we, in Florence, Italy, is where all of the highest and best leather goods are Mm. created. So we're starting with that, which is basically anything that's made leather, we can make it better without leather. Is that where your factory's based, in Florence? Yeah, outside of Florence. It's about an hour outside of Florence. Yeah, Yeah, so it's a really pretty area. But um, so basically that whole area is very, you know, they're the best belt makers in the world. 
they're making in leather. We're getting them to make long leather. The best wallet maker in the world it adores mink and makes very, you know, smaller quantities for us. You make a hundred thousand wallets for uh, Valentino, and then they make a hundred for us. So nice. it's really they believe in us. Um, they've learned through the like, like I said, through that community and that that certain area that we're in, which creates all the high end brands. We've really found a niche for ourselves where they believe in us. And so we have a bag maker that we're working with now, too. Nice. I melt uh, the belt maker that I've known for probably about 12 years. We're going to start making belts with him now. And um, so we're kind of bringing the artisans of Italy yeah. to the world um, by offering a non-leather version of a super high quality good. Brilliant. And then um, one thing I wanted to ask you, when you said you bought into the factory, because when we were talking before, you were talking about how a shoe, like for example, the different components are made in 20 yeah. factories. So what portion, when you say you own the factory that makes mm-hmm. shoes, is that like the base? Like what part of the yeah. shoe are they making? So there's like, so there's all the different factories. There's the heel factory, the sole factory, mm-hmm. the cutting factory, the sewing factory for the upper, the charms, whatever, right? But we own the factory that puts it all together. Puts it all so together. basically, okay. um, the factory. Got it. So okay. you you've got your heel factory, and then my heels. The heel factory sends it to my to factory. Your factory. I see. Um, so we we in that factory is where the magic happens. Right. It's where the mold for the shoe is, where it's perfected, and where they test the shoe for fit. Um, where they put the whole shoe together, where they mount the shoe and um, and put the heels on, oh, put the it. insoles I on, see. put the, you know, the, the upper of a shoe is sewn on a sewing machine and then placed on the sole. But when you put it on the sole, it's not just a sole. There's a thing called an insole structure, which is making the shape of the shoe. It's not just slapping it on yeah, the sole, yeah, right? Yeah. So there's an insole structure. So all of those companies that make all of those I goods see. send they them to our main hub, it. which is why, you know, for us, investing in that was such a smart and um, great idea yeah. for the future. Wonderful. How exciting. It's been very exciting. Oh. I've never been more excited. I've never been more busy. And yeah, I, I can I'm, imagine. <laughs> I'm really excited for Vegan Shoes because I think that finally people get what we're up to and um, the world is ready and it's pretty exciting time for V in fashion in general. It absolutely is. It's been a yeah. pleasure speaking with you, Thanks Rebecca, so particularly as I say, I'm, I've been doing it whilst watching these fabulous glitzy shoes and yeah. I love where you're going and, uh, and like you say, vegan fashion shoes in general. It's very yeah, exciting, it's exciting time. Times. Thank you for joining me. I'm glad I didn't give up. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't either and lots of animals and vegans are glad you didn't give yeah, up either. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks so much. So that was Rebecca Mink from Mink Shoes. You can find out more at minkshoes.com. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 99. Now for our vegan business news roundup. A 21-year-old entrepreneur and animal rights activist has scaled up his plant-based milk business in India after receiving $400,000 in seed funding from an angel investor in the US. Abhay Rangan started Veganaki 18 months ago with his mother in their home kitchen. The engineering student travelled 500 kilometres each week on his moped, delivering almond and coconut milk in Bangalore in southern India. Now, because the products weren't shelf-stable, they'd often spoil before reaching customers. 
Appay persevered and eventually built up enough customers to be able to outsource production and make the good milk products shelf-stable. Fellow animal rights activist Stephen Sturdivant from Dallas, Texas, provided the investment which will be used to buy new machinery and raise the brand's profile. This month, that's March 2018 if you're listening in the future, Veganiki launched its products nationwide via low-cost shipping. You can find out more about this story in my Forbes column and I'll put a link to it in the show notes page. What I love about it is that two animal activists collaborated and magic happened. Dairy holds cultural significance for many people in India, so Abhay certainly has his work cut out for him, but he's up for the challenge and it just goes to show that when you're passionate, people will often take a chance on you and your business. I'm really excited to see the impact that this young entrepreneur will have in the plant-based dairy alternatives market in India. Vegan biohacker Ryan Bethencourt is aiming to transform the $30 billion pet food industry in the US with the introduction of cultured protein products for companion animals. Wild Earth is the latest biotechnology venture for Bethencourt, who's also invested in clean meat startups such as Memphis Meats for human consumption. The company's first product is a cultured vegan dog food made from human-grade koji, a distant relative of the mushroom. Brewed with plant-derived sugars, the animal-free dog food is engineered with fungal strains at the molecular level, resulting in a high protein content that's comparable and in some cases superior to animal-derived protein sources. Now, all pet food in the US, even vegan products, are required by law to be tested on animals. But rather than use dogs and cats kept in cages in labs, which is what the majority of commercial foods do, Wild Earth took advantage of a humane protocol approved by People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, where rescue dogs in their own homes taste-tested the company's products. I love that. Now, the company is also developing a cultured mouse meat for cats, which isn't vegan, but it provides a solution for those people who are living with or caring for carnivorous animals. Some commercial pet foods can contain meat scraps unfit for human consumption from what's called 4D animals, dead, dying, diseased or disabled. And that includes animals who have died from infections, as well as antibiotics and toxic ingredients. And the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration in the US, recently recalled contaminated pet foods that contain traces of barbiturates used to euthanize animals. So this is a market that's set to grow as more people want to feed their pets healthier and more ethical foods. Now, I also wrote about this for Forbes recently. And again, I'll put a link to the story on the show notes page so you can get more details. Finally, men are leading the UK's searches for plant milks. This is one of several findings of research firm Hitwise's New Trends report on veganism. The survey on green living is based on a sample size of 3 million people, and it also found searches for veganism in general have increased by 50% in the past year alone, 
Searches relating specifically to health are growing even more by 70%. Searches for vegan meat alternatives have increased a massive 73%. There was a 175% increase in vegan-related Wagamama searches after the launch of the restaurant's vegan menu. And vegan-related searches increased 116% following Nando's new vegan options. The Hitwise study reveals that millennials are the generational drivers, with 33% more likely to search around veganism than the generation before them, which is my generation, Gen X. Unsurprisingly, because we Brits are famous for enjoying a nice cup of tea, (laughs) the data revealed that the most popular related question around vegan milk is, what's the best vegan milk for tea? Hitwise's analysis shows that plant milk searches have increased 40% year on year and are up 74% for vegan milk. Now, previously, these kinds of searches would have been driven by consumers with an intolerance or an allergy, but now they're a conscious choice for those living without an allergy. According to Hitwise, 55% of free-from consumers don't even have an allergy. Finally, the study noted that the UK free-from industry is heading for a £558 million valuation this year. So these figures are heartening and of course they're helpful for you as a vegan business owner, especially if you're in the food industry. It's good to know that you're on the right track and this kind of data is also valuable to share with potential investors. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more free resources as well as details of how we can work together to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. And I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.